Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Evan Moskal, co-founder of Courant, wireless charging focused on effectiveness and aesthetic. Other wireless chargers today are made out of cheap plastics that do not look appealing and are half effective. Courant has a beautiful display featuring Italian sourced leather and compatibility between most devices. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Evan Moskal of Current. Evan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Cameron. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, actually a Mm -hmm. small town uh, just west of Nashville, Tennessee called Bellevue, um, Mm -hmm. which is about 10 miles uh, to downtown, to the to Broadway downtown, and then about ten miles uh, west, you're in the middle of nowhere. So it's in this kind of uh, perfect middle ground of suburbia, where you're close to uh, all the things going on, uh, you know, in Nashville proper, but also have access to, you know, all the great things that Tennessee offers in terms of outdoors and and that sort of thing too. So it was a it was a great place to grow up. Awesome. Growing up, did you have an entrepreneurship mindset, say, sell any products or lemonade stands or anything like that? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I think I definitely uh, had a little bit of the, you know, cutting grass in the neighborhood and kind of <laughs> having my own little grass cutting business and then, and then you know, watching people's pets or washing cars, uh, that yeah. sort of thing. But I'd say I didn't have a super uh, strong entrepreneurial bug, but I definitely had more of a uh, like DIYerness about me, uh, where yeah. I, I found a lot of uh, joy and, and pleasure in, in doing things myself or figuring out how uh, things worked. I, I feel like my my toy chest as a kid looked more like <laughs> a, a bunch of taken apart things than actual like complete things to play with. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably what ended up, uh, you know, transforming itself over time into into what I'm working on now. Awesome. So where do you think you gained that inspiration? Is that from your parents? Do they have an engineering background or where is that from? Great question. No, uh, not necessarily they have an engineering background, but definitely from, from my parents. My, uh, my mom grew up uh, really poor in, in Indiana and kind of bootstrapped okay. and, and paid her way through uh, college and then you know went to, went to law school at the University of Tennessee and, and kind of supported herself. Uh, all the way through that. So I, I definitely got a lot of work ethic from from my mom and somebody who's, you know, has wrapped up her her career uh, practicing law, but can't mm-hmm. really quit and is now a judge in Tennessee. So she's the kind of person who uh, I don't think will ever retire. Yeah. Um, so I definitely feel like I've gotten a lot of, of that inspiration and from her. And then from my dad, he's always been the person who uh, who definitely inspired me to you know, spend time figuring out how things worked and, and the importance of doing something yourself. I was always the person helping him either, you know, clean the gutters or work on the car or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it was as a kid growing up. And I think that's translated to a lot of um, a lot of the things that I've found successful in my own uh, work life. Awesome. So I saw you went on to study at NYU Tandon School of Engineering. What was your experience like there? Yeah, I did. Um, I, to, to take a step back, I actually started college uh, at a different university. I started okay. um, at the University of North Carolina uh, at Charlotte in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
um, mm -hmm. studying motorsports engineering. So I, okay. I actually left Nashville um, to to study specifically in in that world. I think that's definitely one of my like whether you want to call it a hobby or a passion. Uh, this, the whole automotive thing is something that's constantly had my attention and something that I find in my spare time is both uh, you know like a, a relaxing and centering thing, but also something that I've found is uh, you know keeping me sharp and something outside of my business world that I can also, uh, follow at, at my leisure. So that was something that I had a lot of passion in to start with. And, and I kind of decided early on, um, when working on a lot of the coursework there that I had kind of a fear that I was going to burn out, uh, in, in like that being a hobby. And that, that's something that I wanted to preserve. So I really started to try and look inward of, okay, what do I like about this? Why did I come here outside of uh, just being interested in, in the motorsports world. And I think a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, both, uh, goals that I had in terms of business later on, but also, uh, not wanting to fully depart from, uh, the tech world. And, and I started looking for programs that had a, a really strong hybrid of, of both business and technology and, and NYU had this program at the engineering school, uh, that was called business and technology management, which obviously speaks almost exactly to what I, <laughs> what I felt like I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I packed up my things in, in North Carolina and moved to, uh, moved to New York to, to pursue things there. And it was a, it was a great experience. And I got to, to interact with people both at the engineering school, as well as, uh, the Stern business school over in Manhattan as well. So the exposure was, was super positive. And I think I'm, I fall into that bucket that I think is growing smaller and smaller in the world of people who are using their degree. I think I could say with confidence, it's one that, uh, I definitely use daily for sure. So how long was your time period at North Carolina then? Did you finish out? Yeah. So I, I was there just for a year, um, okay. which in engineering school for, uh, anybody listening, I'm sure they can attest that's definitely viewed as the weed out year of, you know, they try to, they try to really hammer you with the, the math and the science and, and super heavy coursework to get people out who don't have uh, a real interest in the, the super hardcore parts of it. For sure. For me, I, I did, a, I did fine academically, but obviously I, like I said, I had concerns on the, the kind of uh, ruining a, a sort of hobby or passion of mine. Um, so I was there for a year and then I transferred my, for my sophomore year to, to NYU. Got it. So at NYU, were you part of any clubs or athletics? Uh, I was, um, I, interestingly enough was on the, uh, the tennis team. So tennis okay. is kind of the only sport that I ever really found much success in as a kid. I didn't play, uh, football attempted basketball as a kid, not very good. Despite being six, four, I was, uh, pretty poor on the, the hand eye side for, for whatever <laughs> reason in that sport. But tennis, I think was something that I, uh, I really enjoyed and, and actually had no intention of playing um, when I, when I transferred schools, but got recruited by somebody who was actually one of my classmates who found out that I played, uh, competitively as a kid and then, and then in high school as well. And I definitely ended up spending time doing, doing that during school, which was, which was super fun. Awesome. So following college and prior to current, what kind of jobs were you working then? Yeah. So before starting Courant, I, I spent time, uh, when I was in, when I was in Nashville, uh, for summers in college, I worked both at uh, a BMW dealership for a year during, during that first summer of, 
of college coming home from from UNC, which obviously fits in kind of with what I was what I was doing there. Um, I worked at a, a wealth management firm one summer uh, in college as well here in Nashville, and then I actually started working at a company called WNP Design um, in Brooklyn uh, when I was in college, and ended up staying on there basically interning from my beginning of my junior year or halfway through my sophomore year, all the way through graduating. And then, and then I joined those guys, uh, full time and W and P is basically a, a food and beverage product company that at the time was making stuff for William Sonoma, West Elm, you know, food tools, consumables, that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. has really grown a lot and, and is, you know, super prevalent in target, Sir Latob and a number of other retailers now. Awesome. So and then eventually what inspired you to create Courant and then ultimately enter the wireless charging business? Yeah. So that one's a little bit longer of a story. Uh, yeah. So interestingly enough, I mentioned I was working at WNP Design, which was founded by two guys, um, Josh Williams and Eric Prum. So that's the WNP of the, the title there. Um, mm-hmm. So I was working with those guys as an intern in school and was really fortunate with how much they they exposed me to both as an intern and then when I joined full time, you know, I found myself more interested in pursuing some of the the tasks that I had as an intern while I was in class rather than focusing on whatever we were going over that day. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely got the consumer p- product bug from from that uh, that role there, and and I did that for about a year or two in specifically in the business development and then the operations um, compartment of the, of that, uh, that business and was doing things from supplier relations to um, retailer coordination, uh, working with our warehouse where, you know, all of the product had to get received um, from it, you know, the manufacturing partners as well as shipping out to those, those retail partners and shipping out um, you know, from website sales and that sort of thing. So I was doing a lot of that there. And then uh, this sort of ties into how I, I met my co-founder, uh, Monish. Um, we actually ended up starting somewhat serendipitously an internal service wing of the WNP business. There was a little bit of a, a corporate restructuring where a then parent company um, sort of oversaw both WNP and then the business that I started alongside Monish, which again, this is still prior to starting Courant, where we were effectively uh, running an internal service wing of the business uh, that was helping other brands manufacture, sell, and, and distribute uh, products for for their own brands. So u- utilizing the framework that we had mm-hmm. um, in both experience and at the that sort of parent company platform, which is now called Very Great. Um, okay. And we, we sort of organically started doing that um, internally. Um, and where how Monish came into the picture is also its own its own story as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, we started we were doing that on the on the parcel supply side, and and that's what that business was called. We were we were helping with uh, like Kickstarter companies, for example, if if somebody had a a brand or a product that they wanted to create and didn't really know where to start, our company was listed as like a trusted resource on the Kickstarter platform. Um, we were working with companies like subscri- subscription box companies who needed help sourcing product for, you know, specific box, mm-hmm. um, you know, themes and that sort of thing. And then as we were doing that, we did that for 
a little over a year and, and kind of realized that both with my experience, uh, you know, on the, on the brand side, working at WNP prior to Parsons Supply, as well as Monish's background, which he's originally from Hong Kong, has a family in, in the manufacturing world and a lot of experience on, you know, doing business in, in Southeast Asia. And we kind of took a step back alongside, uh, Eric and Josh, who are, who are, again, were running the, the parent company at the, at the time and, and still are, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of decide, well, I think we probably have a better skill set here to, to start our own thing that we've got control of, you know, the, the destiny of separate from decisions of, of pitching, you know, services. Yeah. And we kind of took a step back to kind of think through, okay, what are the opportunities that are out there and what do we have interest in myself? Kind of like I highlighted earlier to two about my childhood. I'm somebody who's mm-hmm. super tools, utility driven. I want to understand how things work. And if something works really, really well, I become like a lifer to, to that product. And I really appreciate something working really, really well. And I think from Onisha's side, he's definitely somebody who has that sort of special eye for, for brand and for aesthetic, as well as that like cultural chord that um, you really need to strike when you're pitching something with aesthetics as a part of a value. Sure. Um, to actually create a compelling product, not just from the utility side, but also from the, you know, the, the way it looks and, and how it's related to, to culture and how people are using it in that specific day and time. And it's sort of organically landed on wireless charging. I've got a business background. Manish has a finance background. He went to, to Georgetown and was in banking for a little bit. And so we started looking at markets that had, you know, it sounds really boring, but markets that had, you know, highly projected compound annual growth rates that also kind of matched with uh, where we had a lot of interest from, from like actual product standpoints and wireless charging was just this like super glaring industry (laughs) that had just sort of started popping up at this time. This was 2018. And I think Apple had just released uh, the iPhone eight. So their first phone that was on, the the Qi charging platform. Samsung had had it integrated for a while, but now that Apple was starting to to integrate it, it really started to become something that was more prevalent than the customer eye. Yeah, and we couldn't believe uh, that somebody hadn't hadn't really taken a super hard position on the the sort of utility paired with aesthetic uh, direction. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly to boil it down to a product, we we launched with two form factors. But the one that was the most notable is, and still is the most notable, is the Catch 3, which is a wireless, like, valet charger, like a valet tray through your keys, wallet, that sort of thing. That was Mm -hmm. very much that, like, classic entrepreneurial, like, light goes off, I can't believe this doesn't exist sort of thing. Yeah. And so we basically ran after that, and, you know, the rest kind of unfolded from there. Interesting. So the first prototype, did you engineer that, or did you guys outsource for this? Yeah, it's a great question. So that goes back to the the sort of structure of uh, the larger parent company that that Courant is is a part of. Courant's obviously a freestanding business, but it's a part of this larger uh, brand platform called Very Great. Mm-hmm. And Very Great is basically structured to uh, to build brands in, internally um, and utilize uh, experience with within their own internal resources to develop product quickly and with the best quality to get them to market as, as fast as possible while still maintaining that quality. So we had an internal, um, you know, we've got 
across the board, incredibly strong internal uh, creative teams, whether it's web development, industrial, packaging design, digital design, um, all of that's that's kind of being done in-house. And that's really the impetus of how we've, we've gotten to do what we have so quickly. Amazing. So I'm, I'm also curious about the aesthetic side. So what made you go the leather route? And then also, where do you source that leather from? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's actually one that's kind of changed a little bit over time. I think we very much dug in with wireless charging as uh, an opportunity to really bring like, in a word like fashion to it, which yeah. I think we've seen unfold slightly differently than than that, like part of the foothold specifically in the fashion industry, because what we're talking about isn't, it's particularly in just the, the stationary wireless chargers. It's hard to yeah. deem something a fashion product if you can't carry it around easily with you. Um, sure. So I think it's it's not fully departed from that, but has evolved from that. But we wanted mm-hmm. to, to to select something that that had like cachet, right? And what was out there on the market uh, at the time of launch was a lot of very like physically light uh, chargers, lots of plastic, lots of shiny plastic. Yeah, um, you know PVC cables just basically completely built around the utility of the technology and not built at all with the, the room in which it's being placed in. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we wanted to take a super aggressive position there compared to what was, what was out there. And we tried to think of, okay, what's, what's just about the most aggressive thing we can do. And we were like, okay, leather would probably make a lot of sense. That's something that's super prevalent in the fashion industry, the home industry, um, and then what's the most lux we can go there. And, and obviously Italy came to mind. So we started, uh, sourcing leathers and, and materials from, uh, from different parts of Italy and landed on a tannery in, in Tuscany. That's within a, a specific region actually called Santa Croce. That's doing a lot of the, the designer label leather that, that you hear out there are tanneries down the street from one of our mezzes tanneries, um, but d- being done all in this super close knit and small region that's that's known for for quality and specifically for being in the designer world so we sort of picked that as our our initial angle and and really dug into that in terms of the initial photos we were producing which were very avant-garde particularly avant-garde for yeah for wireless charging and tech um and it definitely picked up uh the right people's attention early got it so can you kind of explain how wireless chargers, more specifically Quran's chargers, ventilate in case like overheating and, and such? Yeah, sure. So wireless charging, to take a step back, uh, is is really cool because it's got that kind of like magical uh, like experience because people are so used to, um, you know, plugging their phone in. So the concept yeah. of physically just setting your phone down and not being able to receive charge like in and of itself didn't really compute when that came out. So that was a really fun story to, to tell and continues to be a really fun one to tell when, when somebody experiences it for the first time, because it still hasn't been out there that long in the, the consumer eye comparatively to, to wired charging, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so for wireless charging, generally speaking, it's, it's basically an inductive charging process where there's a coil in your phone or in you know your AirPods or whatever device it is that you're looking to charge. And then a coil or multiple coils inside of uh, the charger. And then basically what happens is as those come into close contact, they recognize one another. So the phone recognizes uh, there's a charger there that it can receive power from. 
and then the same uh, in the inverse for the charger to the to the phone. And then when they're coupled that closely, they're allowed to uh, basically form a magnetic field that then charge can can pass through. So that's on like a really basic level how it physically works. Uh, but then taking that a step further, how we're differentiating the the technology itself to try and uh, like better the the user experience, we very much saw like. Um, you know, the, the form factors being a really key differentiator, mostly what was out there on the market was just the single puck or pad or however you want to categorize it and, and us yeah. launching with that product, because that is a product that continues to be incredibly popular based on the amount of space that it takes up. We also wanted to come out with something that really took the user experience into consideration. The valet tray kind of structured around that hole. You walk in the front door pocket dump. Uh, thing that everybody does every day. There wasn't a solution that really handled that. So we built the valet charger to to really speak to that. And then from a tech standpoint, uh, wireless charging is also notorious for being unforgiving. If you plug your phone in, you know your phone's going to start charging because you physically have that feedback yeah. um, of, of the kind of click you plug it in. Wireless charging, depending on how big the surface is of the, the charger, it can have like what are called dead spots. So for the Catch 3, uh, and the Catch 2 in particular, and the Catch 2 is our multi-device charging product. We built out multi-coil arrays in there to where you have to, you don't have to be quite so uh, methodical about where you're putting your phone down on that charging surface. And it's generally more forgiving because you don't want to have to be carefully placing and moving it uh, to get that charge pickup. You want it to be just as as careless of an act as taking your wallet out and putting it on a on a table or your keys out or, or whatever it is. And, and we really mm -hmm. tried to design around that. And then lastly, to your question around the, the ventilation and the, the sort of safety of the product, there's a number of different things that we, we build in to try and uh, make the products as safe as they possibly can. And they are safe. And that's, you know, things like foreign object detection, which can de detect whether or not there's a conductive material on the charger itself. So for example, if you put, your glasses down, your keys down, uh, credit card, whatever, on the actual charging surface. The charger is mm -hmm. programmed and has technology built in to recognize that that's not an approved device. And then it flashes to let you know that that's, there's no charge passing to it and that it's safe to pick back up. Uh, we Got also it. have things built in like overcharge protection so that once your phone's fully charged, it goes back to standby mode um, so that there's not any additional charge passing to the uh the phone itself uh, and it basically goes back into that latent mode similar to when it's not doesn't have anything on it at, at all and then just built into the the circuitry and the uh the different chips that we're sourcing which are coming from a lot of the major manufacturers that you know work with whether it's the the big phone manufacturers whether it's uh tv manufacturers etc all of the components that we're building into the products are of the the highest quality and coming from the most sophisticated suppliers so that we can we can not only build something that's super compelling from a, a user experience standpoint but you also have the confidence in the uh the safety and the quality of the tech too for sure i have this question over how whenever you plug in a faulty charger to an apple device sometimes you can get that notification where it says this is not not approved yeah not approved do you ever have that <laughs> issue with your chargers with other devices or apples no what's super interesting about about wireless charging as a concept is it's really the first time that 
a initiative or a coalition, if you will, has been like established amongst competing uh, device manufacturers to have a universal standard um, mm -hmm. where product is, uh, you know, a charger can work whether you have an Android phone, an LG phone, an Apple phone. Um, yeah. And that's and that in and of itself is is really cool just conceptually that the market has has turned that direction because that's incredibly positive for the the consumer. But similarly, there's there's different uh, governing bodies for that tech where all of those major manufacturers as well as uh, third party vendors like Courant are in the conversation and also have to approve product through sets of testing as well as construction mm -hmm. standards so that we can ensure something like uh, what's called, what you're hinting at is called interoperability where a device works with uh, any given charger. There's not a like, that, that basically that won't happen so long as you're going through the correct testing protocols and being super yeah. rigorous about where you're sourcing, uh, sourcing your, your materials and your components from um, and, you know, doing everything by the book that, that Apple requires as well as the, you know, Samsung, et cetera, uh, to make sure you're, you know, doing right by them. But we're also, you know, pushing the technology forward, uh, you know, as a, as a, a whole. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So looking at Courant today, what would you say separates Courant from your competitors then? Yeah, it's a great question. And one that, you know, as we're in our third year of business, it's one we have to continue to, to refocus on as, mm -hmm. you know, the technology and, and tech in general, changes at so much more rigorous of a pace than than a lot of industries um where keeping that competitive edge and, and pivoting as you as you go where where appropriate is, is super important for us i think a really big one that we continue to focus on is that out in the market there there are a lot of brands that are doing wireless charging and that we compete with wireless charging is a very large category but where we stake our claim is in a couple of different places. Number one, it's in the fact that we're just doing wireless charging. So you'll mm -hmm. see from a lot of our competitors, there's a lot of categories in play, whether it's phone cases or cable uh, cables, or um, I mean, even in some cases, telecommunications equipment, uh, et cetera. There's a lot of different noise that's that's in play where where their focus is to deliver a very large catalog of things to their distribution or retail partners uh, mm -hmm. since they're, they've been around for so long and there's an expectation of maintaining that standard. For us, our focus is to, to deliver the best charging experience you can have uh, wirelessly and specifically in the wireless charging category. So our goal is to be that brand over time that you think of when you think of wireless charging as opposed to, oh, I have a wireless charger from them, but I also have a phone case, you know, et cetera. We're very much trying to to build um, the sort of like wireless charging ethos within your home of, you know, you've got to catch three on your bedside, but you also have our, our single device pad in your kitchen and you've got, um, you know, the multi-device pad in your living room where multiple people need to charge and you're really rejiggering the, the actual way you charge within a physical space by purchasing sure. more of our products because you had such a positive experience to start. So we're very much trying to, carve out, um, you know, going wireless as our, our sort of mission statement and doing so with a heightened level of, of quality, both in terms of function, but also aesthetic. People care a lot more about the things that they select for their space. People are buying 
you know, fewer higher quality things as opposed to more lower quality things. And, and we think we deliver on that. Awesome. Also, what would you say is Courant's top seller today? It's a great question for us right now. I think I would have to say the, uh, it's the catch three and all of the products compete with themselves because they all have, uh, interesting use cases based on it's true. the size. But what I will say is the color that we launched, uh, during the holiday season, we call it saddle. It's like a really nice, uh, brown leather. That's kind of got this like pre-distressed look and kind of a, a gunmetal color frame that has done incredibly well for us. We couldn't keep it in stock during the holiday season. I think we mm -hmm. sold through it three times and we sold through it the first time in the first two weeks. That's been incredibly popular for us. And, and also is obviously really validating. We're, we have a very small number of form factors intentionally. The goal is not to have this massive Rolodex of a bunch of non-incremental products. We want to have the core products that deliver on the needs that the customer, our customer has. And I think launching a new color uh, when you already have a limited list of SKUs and really seeing a completely new uh, like customer's persona kind of come out of the woodwork and really purchase that product incrementally on top of the other ones that either they already have purchased or that, uh, you know, it's being showcased from a press standpoint in a completely new space that we hadn't been able to tap into prior just that color being incredibly incremental has, has been really exciting for, for us as a brand and, um, you know, gives us a lot of confidence to, uh, to continue doing what we're doing. Awesome. I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret just anything. Ooh, I don't know if I've been out there in the world long enough to give people advice yet. <laughs> uh, I guess, one thing that I like try to think of regardless of whether I'm having a positive experience or a negative experience is to me, it matters so much to people that you're, you're working with because you know, those are the, you know, everybody can enjoy in a really uh, positive situation or successes. You know, that's something that everybody can share, but who you can go through stuff with that, you know, are the more challenging, um, you know, circumstances and situations, whether that be from a, an employee standpoint, an employer standpoint, uh, you know, supplier, business partners, uh, et cetera. It all comes down to the people that you're working with. And, and as long as you've got a really, you know, positive view on, on who you're working with and that you want to continue to build with, with those people, that makes it a lot easier to go through, uh, the challenging stuff. For sure. Well, Evan, thank you so much for joining me and to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Courant at staycurrent.com. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.